Hey, welcome to Conversations with my dear friend, Jeff Conway. My name is Susan. This is A Different Kind of Walk. I'm sorry I canceled on you last week, but I'm really glad that I did because I felt terrible and it wasn't a flu or an illness or anything. Uh, So what was going on was it was a cold day last week. It was cold last week. Mm -hmm. Um, So I got this crazy idea that I could eat a grilled cheese sandwich because it just sounded great. The cheese would slide down my throat and then, you know, with tomato soup. So I didn't always dip all of my grilled cheese sandwich in a tomato soup, but I figured if I dipped it all in tomato soup, uh, it would slide down my throat at least, you know, within a couple of hours. But that was day three or four after eating the sandwich that I canceled on you because it was still it was still there in the middle of my chest and yeah I can't do this anymore I just can't cheat anymore um, I'm not dying tomorrow I'm not dying next week people try to tell me oh I like butternut squash and I like avocado and I like you know all these various things that they say but when you get it in a baby food pouch and it's all pureed avocado and blackberries and chicken, purple carrot, chia seed and butternut squash. And it's, it's hideous. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just disgusting. It is. I mean, Parents, taste your baby food before you're... But I, I was told by the nutritionist that babies do not have the refined taste buds that adults have. So, But I'm supposed to get 1,500 calories a day, and it's a nightmare to get to 1,000. Yeah. Um, and so that's why I was okay cheating before. So yeah, so it was an interesting week last week. I was not depressed at all, but I was not a happy person at all. Welcome back to A Different Kind of Walk. Jeff and I are here for our last episode of the season. Jeff might put out a couple tidbits here and there this summer, but in general, we are finished, at least for now. But today... It is Holy Week, the week leading up to Easter Sunday, and Jeff has a confession to make about his faith journey. So for this special episode, you and I, listeners, will be playing the part of the priest, if you will, and listening as Jeff tells us his story and gives his confession. So here we go. I'm going to say hello, everybody. We are taping this the day after Palm Sunday. So how was Palm Sunday at your church? It was awesome. Our One of our pastors, Ian, did an experiential worship sort of thing, and he had three different stations. So yeah, it was really cool. And then we came back in and finished up. But 
So, yeah, I mean, that's an interesting Palm Sunday, but that is a weird Palm Sunday uh, in all four of the churches. The two that I led and the two that I was an associate for was about kids and waving branches and the celebration of coming in and mm-hmm. you know, what it meant to ride on a donkey and what it meant to throw the cloaks down and the mm-hmm. humility of the king coming in and the celebrate just you know all those kind of images um but the episcopalian church uh really begins with the crucifixion hmm. I mean, you sing a Hosanna kind of song coming in, and everybody grabs a um, palm branch um, when you come in. Uh, the kids come in waving the palm branches at the beginning, kind of a deal. Um, uh, but then it goes right towards um, walking towards the crucifixion. So um, I don't know if that's because... Uh, something like Monday Thursday or um, Holy Friday, Good Friday doesn't have the possibility for everybody to participate in. But yeah, so it's been interesting being a part of uh, a different tradition, which is a little bit about what I want to talk about today. But life is a journey, and that's what we're here to talk about a little bit. So I've talked about this a long time ago, but just reminding people that I was the unbaptized baby. So um, I was born in California and my father was already living in Oregon and came down around due date stuff, but then went back. So we moved from California to Oregon when I was six weeks old. And I always thought I was baptized in the Catholic church. Um, my brother was. And um, so I didn't find out until I was working in the Presbyterian church, which I think I shared with people also. I mean, I'd been working in the church for two years before I found out that I was not baptized. So, I mean, my father uh, raised Catholic Catholic school from first grade all the way through 12th grade. Um, you know, it was just the Irish Catholic family. And uh, once he got to Oregon, he never went to worship again. And so I was that unbaptized baby and and came to recognize I was loved by God through youth ministries, people reaching out to me Um for a ski retreat at a Presbyterian church and young life, which is uh, a high school outreach. I think they've expanded past high school. Actually, they have some middle school stuff and I think they even have some college stuff going on with young life now. But um, so then, you know, at the end of high school, I recognized I was loved by God and, you know, I never really went to church regularly because it was all youth stuff at Young Life. It was youth stuff at the church. And then when I was in college, it was college fellowship kind of stuff. So uh, going to seminary three years out of college, I was as green as could be. 
I mean, the stories of the Old Testament, nope. Mm. Didn't know them. Um, just, you know, the basic things that kids learn in Sunday school, I, I didn't know them. But um, I, I learned very quickly that uh, you needed to be able to plant your flag somewhere. So this is the mid-80s the movement of large denominational churches was really at its very beginning. Um, and I knew very little of that. Uh, so that's kind of how I planted my flag in, in the Presbyterian church. Cause that theology of God reaching out to humanity first, that sense of the sovereignty of God made sense to me. And that's how I became that Presbyterian and, um, I'm really glad that I did and 35 years ministering and serving and learning and growing. Um, and, you know, I was the strange Presbyterian pastor um, who had this huge poster um, that I actually had mounted and framed uh, of the Vatican uh, in my office all those years. And I loved it because it was so artistic. It had all the popes from Peter all the way around John Paul II uh, that Rome recognized. And then it had the Pieta. And so that was always in my office. And then I was the guy that was drawn to worship for a doctoral program. And uh, I worshipped in Coptic churches. I worshipped in Orthodox churches. I worshipped in rock band churches. Mm -hmm. You know, I just the whole thing was kind of a part of my journey. Um, that first interview that I had for my very first job as a youth guy, um, the pastor called me an Irish mystic and I had no idea what he was talking about. So I just kept the straight face, you know, and kind of smiled through that as is he insulting me is, <laughs> uh, but he offered me the job, um, which I didn't take. I took a job at another church, but um, so, you know, that's always been a part of my sensibility and you know that. And I, I'm talking about myself so much because we talked about me making a confession. So I, um, so yeah, my life, um, particularly these last four years of not working has been an interesting journey. And so I worship in the Episcopalian church because I can ride my, power wheelchair to it it's literally right behind our house there's a grassy knoll and on the other side of that you can see the roof of the church that was built in 1700 so episcopalian worship very different um lot of scripture reading not short passages of scripture but long full passages the whole psalm is read or sung and there's um so much liturgy around the communion mm -hmm. um, so much more than than presbyterian tradition had so so that's been kind of interesting for me and then the camino this summer 
afterwards became a big changing point for me. Towards the end of that, as I began sharing my full story with some people, most of them uh, that were on the Camino were Roman Catholics. Hmm. Um, And that just opened up some different kinds of conversations. So Bill talked in our last podcast, my spiritual director, about how many churches there were. Mm-hmm. And you and I both smiled because we'd just spoken about that. There's one church. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is one body of Christ to be one witness to the world uh, of God's love for humanity. And we had talked about that the podcast before that had come up. There's one church that should be uh, the witness to the world. Uh, And what has saddened me, there's more battles about division in the church than people hearing about the ministry of the gospel. So in some conversations with those Camino people in getting home also, I finally decided to have a conversation with a priest because I was so shocked that they serve gluten-free wafers in the Catholic Church now. Hmm. Um, so I was really intrigued by that, and I wanted to talk to a priest about that. So that began the conversation. Um, he came with this little kit that I wondered what that kit was, because it was much bigger than just like a communion kit that I would take to um, uh, when I went out serving communion to people. And um, within two minutes of our conversation, he put it down. He had it in his hands. He put it down next to the chair across from me here because he realized I wanted to talk theology. Hmm. We met uh, for a few times. And at the end of one of those times, I said, you know, in this season of my life, I feel like I want to complete the circle. Hmm. Um, I was the unbaptized Irish Catholic baby and I want to complete this circle I would like to join the Catholic Church although back then I think it was two years that you were a catechumen um, somebody who was learning Barrett joined the Catholic Church Uh, So Barrett went through a one-year process, but he joined the Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church, at the Easter Vigil on Saturday. Hmm. Um, So that's, you know, right at that point, uh, before resurrection, there's the image of coming into the new life of the church. Mm -hmm. And... um, Roman Catholic Church now uh, recognizes baptisms from other Christian traditions. Okay. So you're not rebaptized at that time if you don't want to be. 
Okay. Um, uh, if you celebrate the baptism you had before you became Roman Catholic. So Barrett wasn't rebaptized. And, and it's funny back then, I was like, if they make him get rebaptized, <laughs> <laughs> um, just for me and not putting down anybody else's journey, I told this priest, I want to finish this circle. I believe there is one church uh, that needs to be the message of the gospel to the world. I do not believe there is one church that is perfect in any way. Um, I believe in the ordination of women um, to be leaders in the church. So in the Catholic church, that would mean to be priests in the church. I still believe in that. I still believe in, I don't know, ask me a question. I still believe in a lot of things that might be different than the Catholic church, but I felt a calling and I felt um, the completion of the circle by telling this priest, um, I would like to join the Catholic church. So the next time you come, you can bring that little box that you brought the first time <laughs> that I figure um, you thought I was somebody in the end part of my life that wanted to join the Catholic Church so you don't have to go through the whole process. He said, that's correct. So he said, I'll bring that the next time I come. And um, as angry as I would have been if they made Barrett get rebaptized, uh, which, you know, they obviously don't do. They recognize baptisms from other churches. Uh, so when he came with his full kit, he said, so do you want to get baptized? And I said, yes. And um, so I imagine him having a tiny bit of water and, you know, touching me with the water and say, baptize you in the name of the father. Cause I'm sitting here in this leather chair and um, he has this squeezy bottle, kind of like what you would take when yeah. you go running. Yeah. You spritz you. But in no, instead of one nozzle, it has like a shower nozzle on it. So he goes, I baptize you in the name of the father squeezed. And it's like, <laughs> shower of water that comes over and the sun, <laughs> The squeeze of water, uh, the squeeze after the Holy Spirit. So, um, um, but it was beautiful and wonderful. I mean, I had no kind of ooh reaction to it. Like you're getting me all wet. It was just beautiful. And um, so with all these things kind of happening in my life over the past four years, um, is why for me it was right mm -hmm. to join the Catholic Church, even though it's not a perfect place. You know, it was run by a bunch of men who didn't get what to do with abuse issues, who handled that completely wrong, just like a number of Protestant churches have um, not handled that properly you know that grieves me to the deepest point 
I celebrate the ministry of women. Um, and, um, you know, was hopeful that Francis, uh, Pope Francis, mm -hmm. who I love, and, you know, the whole last church that you and I served together, they knew I got on that train when the Pope came to Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was one of the first in line there. And and that was another thing, just having communication with Catholics that were excited to see the Pope. It wasn't Pope worship. The kind of conversations we had were about the gospel and bringing the gospel to people. So I just kept expanding, 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 and got to that place where it was right for me mm -hmm. uh, to say yes. It's not right for everybody, um, but it was right for me uh, to say yes uh, and join the Catholic Church. So we were doing an episode with someone recently. I'm not going to say who it was, but you let them know that you were going to make this confession on this last podcast episode. And uh, this person's reaction was like, I love that for you because the Catholic church knows how to do suffering really well. Right. Thank you. Thank you. Because that's part of the journey. So I have an empty cross out of the three medallions on my neck that represent the Camino, um, Rome, and Egypt. I have an empty cross on, on my neck. And I really don't want to have another medallion because I don't want it to get too heavy. But yeah, Jesus on the cross and that suffering has been part of the draw also mm -hmm. that sacrifice um that is a continuing sacrifice yes there was one sacrifice that changed the world for humanity but that sacrifice continues as we see the crucified jesus on the cross and how powerful and meaningful that is to me that through that suffering, um, Jesus was fully God, fully connected to Father and Spirit. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I invite everybody who's hearing this to go to Psalm 22, where that's from, and read the whole psalm. Because the whole psalm is about the connection to God. And so did Jesus just say those words? Or did he lead us to that psalm where we could read all those words about the fullness of the connection of God's love for humanity? Yeah, I heard somebody explain that, you know how you can say one line of a song, mm. then everybody else finishes it for you. So yeah. like, bye, bye, Miss American Pie. Lost a levy, so I bought a Chevy and the people were dry. Sure, there you go. <laughs> 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 um, 
but yeah, like the, that was the point of that Jesus was thinking of the whole song and or the whole um, psalm, which is a song with and, the real words, not my bad words that I just twisted yeah. around. <laughs> yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you go to that reference, it's just it's a beautiful connection, and so even though we keep turning our back on God, God never turns God's back on us. God is always reaching out to humanity. Yeah. So who are you? Susan and I ask to everybody listening. And we would say to you together, you, you are, are a, a dearly, dearly loved child, child of God. God. And, and God, God is, is very, very fond of you. Amen. 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 Thanks for joining us the last couple of years for A Different Kind of Walk. Jeff wanted me to let you know not to worry about him. He now has a godfather, Ken Proctor, who is 20 years younger than him, but will have no trouble keeping him in line. Until next time, friends, live long.